Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Francis. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Such a thrill to be here and be able to share like this with everyone around the world. Just our joy, our great joy. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take a, one look at the gallery view here just to see all your smiling faces say welcome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So beautiful. So beautiful. Well, Francis and I had a nice little chat this morning and um, yeah, quite a quite a weekend, quite a, a movie yesterday and Francis was filling me in on some of the, the people who spoke up uh, after the movie, much later in the afternoon after the breakout rooms and, and also we had a couple uh, questions come in, the last couple questions on top of all the rest of questions and prayers. So uh, yeah, we thought we we would talk and we would address some of those things. And yeah, what what really stood out for you, Francis, in terms of of all of that that really touched your heart and feels like it's something that that is like the topic or theme for today for here on Sunday. Well, the movie is um, it's very striking in a way. And even this morning when I came to our studio, Linda was telling me how profound has been, you know, just as a demonstration of someone actually walked through some trials and tribulations in the end for this universal lesson that, um, you know, our kingdom is not of this world. Basically, that's what her big realization. And for that, you know, I feel this gratitude in my heart just just to see that that's really truly the, the the lesson you know no matter we can't even judge what is good and what's bad because all the judgment is still based on perceptions and david yesterday you talked about all perceptions are unnecessary but just to know that it's such a profound universal lesson which is you know only in God we can find our peace. And it is the freedom of the mind, not the freedom of the body, where we can truly rest. And that is our goal, that is our purpose. When Jesus says, what do you want, freedom of the body or free freedom of the mind, for both you cannot have, and whichever you choose, the other one will have to serve. So if we choose the freedom of the body, the mind is you to serve, to find how to, how to get freedom for the body. And the mind, it becomes, you know, Jesus describes it as extremely um, mad, that, that direction. But that's what he described as the tr only true service is to use the body to serve the freedom of the mind. And, and that's what I see, you know, throughout life, throughout, you know, everything as we know it, people are searching, 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 searching. But what are we searching for except freedom, true freedom? And, and it's not that we're lacking this ability of searching, but it's where we're searching that is really the 
the, the place that we have to start a question now. And with someone like Tammy and Jim, you know, it, I just feel so, so much gratitude looking at their journey where to see that inevitably we're still going to find the peace of the mind. That's really what it is all pointing to. We're going to have to find the strength inside, the strength of the spirit. And, and that's the only destination for all of us. And we don't have to repeat some of the lessons because these way showers walked in front of us and demonstrate <laughs> what works and what doesn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need witnesses uh, of that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit because without witnesses to the difference between the temporary and the real, <laughs> then how could you really sincerely hope to attain the real if you don't have uh, something that you feel in your heart is like a homing beacon or someone that's, that's really calling you to the real. And I did mention yesterday that Jesus says in the Course, he says, uh, you can learn from my experiences and you can learn from the experiences of your brothers. So why don't we just stop for a moment and say, wow, that's important then. If, even if perception is unnecessary, but if it's perception that I believe in, uh, you know how people used to say, seeing is believing. <laughs> that was a great adage, seeing is believing. And then the great, great Wayne Dyer came along and wrote a book and said, when you believe it, you'll see it. Oh, oh, oh Wayne, turn it around. Did a little Byron Katie on the on the adage, you know, seeing is believing. He's no, no. When you believe it, you'll see it, and that's more in line. That's in line with Jesus is saying in the course. You always look inside your mind first, and you decide what you want. And if you want fear, you'll see a fearful world. And if you want only love, you'll see nothing else. You, you know, literally, the whole world will light up before you. And, and will disappear into the blazing light that's behind the world, the light of truth. So if we start and we just say, well, Jesus was a great witness because um, he was so calm, he was so tranquil, even in the circumstances where we would consider that not the best circumstances to be calm, when you have spikes driven in your arms and legs you're on a cross, blood is dripping down from, from your arms and legs, and then a soldier, a Roman soldier comes up and puts vinegar on, on a piece of cloth and stuffs it in your mouth. Vinegar, while your arms and legs are, are bleeding blood, vinegar goes up your mouth. And, and what does Jesus say? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's his response to all of that. It just tells me he was so identified with the spirit before Abraham was, I am, I and the father are one. He was so identified purely with the spirit that he was completely disidentified from the body. So a body that's bleeding or a body that has vinegar on the mouth or a crown of thorns and blood dripping down your, 
your forehead didn't mean anything to him because he had disidentified from the body. He had disidentified from the temporary and he was completely identified with the eternal, you see? So in one sense, he was watching the scene like any other scene, like walking with Mary Magdalene on a sunny day and, and noticing the clouds and the sun and the birds. No different. That scene on Calgary was no different from the perspective of Jesus's mind than any other scene. I, I saw this morning before I came on, I just glanced at the course again. I said, I said, is there any, any uh, passage, Jesus, you want me to read before we start today? And I popped open to the happy learner. And it starts off with the Holy Spirit needs a happy learner in whom his mission can be happily accomplished. But he does say that you who are steadfastly devoted to misery must first recognize that you are miserable and not happy. And then I skipped down and this was what he said. You will believe that nothing is of value. He's talking about the world, anything of time and space, that's his nothing. You will believe that nothing is of value and will value it. In other words, if you, if you aren't devoted to God, you will value the replacement to God, which is perception and all the little pieces, the broken pieces of perception. And then he says, a little piece of glass, a speck of dust, a body or a war are one to you. For if you value one thing made of nothing, you have believed that nothing can be precious and that you can learn how to make the untrue true. Wow, that's from chapter 14 teaching for truth. So he's basically saying, if you believe that the untrue perception can be true, then a, a little piece of glass, a speck of dust, a body or a war, the war in Ukraine, and a little piece of glass, like something that you might have in, a, in some glasses, or we'll say uh, a little magnifying glass, a little splinter of glass, a body, anybody, or a war, they're all one to you because you simply value nothing more than you value everything. Everything being spirit and perception and all its tiny little fragments being nothing, you see? So uh, to me, I think Jesus was a great example of that. He, he was tranquil, he was serene, even in what the world would say is the most extreme case, and he was very gentle and very clear and very loving. And even over history, there's been like over, I think over 800 movies made about Jesus and his life. And I've noticed that most of them are quite dramatic and they oftentimes focus on suffering and sacrifice which are not ideas that Jesus taught. Jesus was never teaching sacrifice and he was never teaching suffering. And his state of mind showed that, you know, he really showed it with his state of mind, but, but the ego had many misrepresentations of even his little life on earth, his 30 some years on earth, they were extremely distorted 
because the ego made this world and the ego is the one that wants to interpret the world in terms of suffering, sacrifice, punishment, you know, all the things that are associated with, with Christianity, a lot of with Christianity have absolute no reality whatsoever. They are just ego distortions of what the example was, simple, gentle, peaceful existence, presence. So, so that's a good start for us because when we, we look at the movie yesterday, you can see that Tammy Faye and Jim, they were, they loved Jesus. But the, the human aspect of it was a, a sense of, obviously they got married, they had children, uh, and, and they were surrounded. I think Jim was a strong proponent of, of um, material abundance, <laughs> showing favor and the blessing of God. And, and the other thing is Tammy Faye, she reminded him, you know, I was poor. I grew up poor. <laughs> we saw her home, uh, her parents and her, her mother and her father. But, but she kind of, in some ways, went along with the ride. And it was all came to her so lavishly that um, I think she, she kind of liked to joke about the shopping part. <laughs> she, she, she saw excessive shopping was actually helping her, <laughs> you know, in that context, it was not surprising. I mean, <laughs> imagine yourself if you had the means to just shop until you drop, so to speak, you know, it would be a pretty strong temptation uh, if you felt a little depressed. But Jesus is saying, no, you actually, you have to see that you're miserable first before the Holy Spirit and Jesus can take you to the happy dream. You who are steadfastly devoted to misery must first recognize that you are miserable and not happy. You see, this is the first step is being honest with yourself. And isn't that wonderful? When, when you feel unhappy, you can just say to yourself, wow, I feel really sad or I feel empty or frightened or anxious or hurt. It's getting in touch with those emotions I found is the most helpful thing. And that's why we even have expression sessions sometimes to just to get in touch with what you're feeling, you know, to not pretend. I think with Tammy Faye and, uh, and with Jim, their enthusiasm was very genuine. You could see it from the beginning, you know, they had passion and they had enthusiasm. And yet, as everything continued on, they started to get in touch with their misery. And Jesus is saying, good, you know, you, you who are steadfastly devoted to misery must first recognize that you are miserable and not happy. The Holy Spirit cannot teach without this contrast, for you believe that misery is happiness. This has so confused you that you have undertaken to learn to do what you can never do. And, and basically, isn't that the same with 12 steps? You know, when people go into 12 steps, a lot of them are alcoholics or drug addicts or sex addicts or, or food, food addicts. And then they go to a 12 step program. And the first thing that the 12 steps and all their buddies try to help them do is get in touch with their misery. You know, like admit it. 
just first admit that you have a problem. You can't come in here pretending you've got it all together when you have a whole history <laughs> of, of wild, crazy things happening and misery. Why don't you come in here and be straight with us and give your lead and at first admit that you have a problem? So I think that that's something that Tammy Faye and Jim showed us yesterday that I think they were quite authentic and passionate at the beginning, but then as it went on over the, the long haul of the, their ministry, then I think the hiding and the pretending and the denial started to creep in. And that's that's not just them. I mean, that's that's the whole human condition. Yeah. And that's why even on Friday we, we talked about a little bit about this disillusionment and why that that can be a blessing, because truly the, the world offers nothing and yet the problem is we keep thinking it offers something so search we must and then we search in this world over and over again i think by the point we reach a disillusionment place that's normally realizing okay we admit that we're in pain and not only so we run out of options in our mind of where to go that is where normally the, this feeling of everything fall apart. I have no place to, to even turn anymore. And yet that's where truly the real alternative shows up. The true alternative shows up to see that this world offers nothing but misery. And I think that's what I see that Jim and, um, and Tammy had to go through their journey to to find out there as long as they're still searching or having anything in this world that they value they realize you know in their own way that it's actually not joy it's pain pain and pleasure are the same and that that are very very different from joy so that's in the end i think they both reached a place where you know, not as, you know, the ego would judge as the best place in the world, but I see the, the strength in her in the end of where to look for, where to go. Yeah. Yeah, it always helps to be reminded by Jesus in the Course that, <clears throat> that, that you have to first go beyond denial. Like denial is a, a defense mechanism of, of the ego. And even when people say, I'm going to use a mantra and wake up to my source, to God, or I'm going to affirm my way, I'm gonna use affirmations. I just, uh, you know, I've got my Louise Hay book here and I've got affirmations for anything that comes my way. <laughs> Thank you, Louise, for researching all this and, and giving me so many weapons of affirmations. And, you know, the movie I showed last week, it was actually a Star Trek episode, was called The Thaw. When the main characters went down into the ego's world, fear's world, uh, Harry Kim, he tried to use affirmations on the ego. He said, he looked at the ego, he said, like the man said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. He started quoting Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president of the United States, who said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And he, he repeated it over and over like an affirmation and the ego burst into laughter and started saying it with him. Uh, and then 
And then the ego went, let's try some other ones. Like, oh, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Started quoting Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. The ego was like, oh, you want to use affirmations on me? Uh, here, I'll join in with you. Let's see if they work. And then he threatened Harry with death and memories from the past. Like the ego was like, your affirmations have no shot at, um, at dismantling me. So then we go to the Course in Miracles and Jesus says, yeah, you have to realize that denial is an ego defense mechanism and the ego has, has denied God, pushed the light of heaven out of awareness and also made an unconscious belief system that's underneath the iceberg, mostly unconscious. And that means that for all human beings, they're really in mind sitting on a unconscious belief system that is wreaking havoc and they don't understand why bad things happen in the world. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is the world so cruel? Why is the world so wicked? Why is there evil in the world? And Jesus is saying, well, it's actually an unconscious belief system called the, the ego. Some people believe in the devil. Some people call it ego. Some people call it different names, Satan. Jesus is saying it's unconscious. So you're not fully aware of it. And then one time Helen Shuckman, she used to get visions. And one time Helen Shuckman was waking up and she saw in her mind, there was like this blazing, like a, like a message of letters in her mind, a sentence in her mind, and there was flames all around it. And it was like so spectacularly sparkly with all these flames. And when she looked at what the word said, it was Jesus saying, never underestimate the power of denial. That's, that's what was highlighted in her mind with these flames. Never underestimate the power of denial. So we have like, Irma, you're a psychotherapist. You know about the unconscious mind. Most psychologists read about, you know, through Freud and, and Jung and the neo-Freudians and most psychologists and psychiatrists acknowledge there's an unconscious. That's why the affirmations don't work. They can be helpful, but they, they won't clear away the darkness that's beneath. There was even a movie called What Lies Beneath. And, and that's basically what Jesus is telling us. We have to release this unconscious darkness before you can experience the kingdom of heaven. You have to go through the darkness to the light, but you have to let it up into awareness. And any good counselor or psychotherapist knows that's what's happening. You're bringing the darkness to the light by allowing it up. That's why we have expression sessions. That's why we tell people to be transparent, because that's how you start to release the denial mechanism. So the other thing that helps us, I think Francis and I were talking about this morning is it helps to have a context. Like when you, when you just watch this movie, you can be tempted to look at Tammy Faye and say, wow, she was a sparkler. She was quite transparent. She was spontaneously singing, uh, friendly, kind, wanting to love all people. And then, wow, it seems like uh, the whole thing went off the rails as, as you go further along in the movie. 
maybe uh, Francis, maybe we Joe, our our friend Joe from Canada, uh, wrote in this just recently to us here after the movie, and I think maybe we could look at that what Joe's bringing up because. Uh, that's important to look at what were your judgments when you were watching the movie, uh, both posi positively and negatively. Yeah. I can read the, the question yeah. um, from Joe. In this movie, I identified with Tammy Faye's innocence, joy, and excitement with the love of God. When I hear David speak of clueless, carefree, and cared for, my heart soars. But here the ego kept repeating clueless in my head. I saw her and myself as clueless, as being a victim, someone with an open heart who was misunderstood and taken advantage of. Enter judgment and fear. How could she and me be so naive? This brought to light my fear that being clueless and devoted only to God will be a life of depression loneliness and shame that i have the belief that i'm unworthy of consistent joy and happiness i know this to be untrue my prayer is to forgive those beliefs and place my future in the hands of god with an open and trusting heart <laughs> beautiful joe beautiful thank you for articulating that because i think that you're articulating that there's this this thing in the back of the mind that's that's saying, okay, you're going to be devoted to God, but don't be gullible. Uh, because if you're gullible, you're going to take a fall. And in the end, you're just going to say, what a fool. <laughs> what a fool I was, you know, to, to try to reach God. Of all the things I could have gone for, <laughs> all the attainable things, <laughs> in the world I could have gone for. And then I go for that one and boom, it turns bad, 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 bad at the end. And I think everyone who, who, who studies the course and practices the course, and I'm gonna include all spiritualities in this, everyone who, who goes for God in, in, or just for bliss and happiness, they don't even have to call it God, faces a lot of resistance, a lot of doubt. And I think Jesus knows it's going to come because he says, you know, as you open up, as you go toward the light, you will rush to darkness and doubt will come and go and come to go again. Yet is the ending certain? He's giving us that final line, yet is the ending certain? He's saying, you're going to go through so much self-doubt and self-criticism, doubting your partner, doubting your friends, doubting spirituality, doubting religion, philosophy, looking at the birds and going, the birds aren't theological. Why, <laughs> why do I have to be theological if the birds aren't theological? They look pretty happy. They're singing all day long and, and they're not preaching theology. <laughs> they're not telling any other birds you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> you know, that's for sure. But for me, I had to face those things. Francis had to face those things. Everyone I've known and met has had to face these things. Even uh, Francis and I would talk about these uh, Vipassana teachers. Vipassana is a very deep pathway to God, but 
Francis showed me an article one time that was saying when they met over in Thailand, they, they reassembled from all over the world. They talked about this, this kind of darkness, this fear that they faced when they went much deeper in their meditation and they faced huge wall of fear and they all were shocked and they compared notes and all of the Vipassana teachers who had gone so, so deep faced the same wall of fear. They were kind of surprised, like, you too? You, yeah, you, you, they all <laughs> faced it. And of course we have too, you know, we've had to face the wall of fear. Jesus calls it the ring of fear in his Course in Miracles. But what helped me was when I watched the movie, I could see here was two young people that came together with passion and a love of God, genuine love of God and everything, and they like everyone, they didn't know the full extent of what they were getting into. Uh, they just like to go around and say, God loves you. He really, really does. Isn't that cute? I mean, <laughs> that's got to be the cutest thing every, anybody could say. And yet the ego is, is like the Loch Ness Monster down in its massive, seeming massive unconscious mind going, I'm going to get you. <laughs> And the more times you say God loves you, he really does, I'm coming for you. <laughs> the Loch Ness Monster say, I'm coming up out and I'm coming right at you and in ways that you have no clue about. And, and yet, so for me, when I would go through these things, even when I was traveling around the world teaching the course, I would start to look around and I start to actually read about the mystics and saints, because I figured, you know, wherever this course is taking me, wherever Jesus and the Holy Spirit are taking me, I think there's others who have, who have really gone for this. So I started reading the lives of the mystics and the saints, St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, and all of them. And then I read Eastern mystics, and I read all about the mystics of non-dual mystics all over the world, and, and they all hit the fear. They all hit the fear. They all started off with the love of God. And, and then they got down in the trenches and they go, holy Jesus, or holy Krishna, holy Buddha, some holy holiness, save me. I'm now down in the serpent's mouth. <laughs> I'm like Jonah and the whale. I, the whale's digested me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the mouth anymore. I'm in the intestines <laughs> of the beast. And, and then, of course, St. John of the Cross, he called it the dark night of the soul. <laughs> you know, we have terms from these mystics and saints. So for me, I was like, I'm going to study the mystics and saints and follow the course. So then I studied the mystics and saints, and I could see, wow, some of them were just so, so devoted and so sincere, like Tammy Faye. And I'm just going to bring up two. I'll just bring up one man and one woman. Uh, both of them uh, did their most of their teaching in the United States. One was on the East Coast, Mary Baker Eddy. There's no mind in matter. There's no life, truth, substance, or intelligence in matter. Doesn't get any higher than that. Not any higher than that. And then Paramahansa Yogananda, a brilliant young man, brilliant young teacher, got a whole following in an ashram, and then his guru appears in his mind and says, go to the West. So he goes to the United States. Okay, both of them in the United States, a man and a woman. 
both with long hair. <laughs> and there they are. Now, they came and they, they taught it, they spoke it. Um, Mary Baker Eddy had a metaphysical uh, college in uh, Boston, and she was doing things that the men of her time hated. She was so brilliant. She was way ahead of her time. She just beamed right in there and she was sparkling and shining. And the, and the, the people who were sick around her, they got well. She was, she could, you know, heal the sick. She could heal the sick because she was so bright. And with Paramahansa, he started traveling around with his long robes and his long hair. And he went to Washington, D.C. He was speaking to senators, congressmen. He, he was he was all over. I think he went to the White House. He was all over, like I did for years, traveling and speaking. And he spoke with such passion and truth. And both of those, I was talking to Francis this morning, both Mary Baker Eddy and Paramahansa Yogananda had their ministries completely fall apart, just like Tammy Faye and Jim. The serpent was waiting for even the greatest mystics, it was like, oh, one with God you are, huh? One with God. So with Mary Baker Eddy, she made a statement one time when she was teaching and she had a whole room full of her students. And she made one statement with her mouth. She just said one sentence with her mouth. And almost everybody in the room, her devoted students, her most devoted students all got up and all walked out of the classroom from just one sentence that she said, and they never came back. The, her whole group of students left her with one sentence that she spoke. And that one sentence was, I am infallible. <laughs> and, and, and all the students were like, I'm out. I'm out, that's, that's enough right there. And yet, uh, of course, she married her first student, Asia, Asia Eddy. That's why she's Mary Baker Eddy. And then when, when this happened, Asia was kind of watching everything. And then Asia died. Her husband died when all these students turned their back on her. And they said he died of a broken heart. That was the official cause of, <laughs> of death. He, he couldn't believe that the students would turn and attack her the way that they did after that. He died. He, he couldn't stand to watch this ministry of depth and integrity just completely get dismantled in, in that quickly. And with Paramahansa Yogananda, you know, some of you know the story from the movie Awake, uh, that basically while he was out traveling and teaching, um, one of his dear friends, a childhood dear friend who had kind of co-founded Self-Realization Fellowship with him, decided to get married and leave being a monk and leave the Self-Realization Fellowship and a huge, the, the, the whole Self-Realization Fellowship just splintered in half and even more. And they all, a lot of them left with his childhood friend that he loved and trusted and had co-founded the whole thing with. And I was like, wow, that really was good for me because I adored Mary Baker Eddy. And I was like, wow, 
you know, Tammy Faye, you got to love her innocence, but let's look at the mystics getting hit with the serpent, you know, but then we can really see. And Mary Baker Eddy grew stronger than ever. Her faith, whoa, she just rose up from the serpent's mouth. The sick were being healed. She was like, oh, you, you're coming to me. I've got someone that I align with. It's called God. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> bring it on, you know, bring it on. She was like, and she went, and even when she was in her 80s, there was another thing, her, her son who was taken away from her uh, when she was going, when she seemed to be so ill and, and social services took him away and another family adopted him without telling her and they took her to, him to Oklahoma. He came back and it was another assault when she was in her 80s, <laughs> the serpent tried again. Not a chance, not a chance. The serpent had no chance at all. She was like a rock for God. <laughs> We're talking about Chris Rock, Christ <laughs> Rock. There's your Christ Rock. You know, she was so, so deep into it that they still haven't made a movie of her life. Even Yogananda, eventually they made the movie Awake. But with her, they had a little small documentary that uh, Robert Duval uh, narrated, but it wasn't a movie. But the world still isn't ready for a Mary Baker Eddy movie. We have 800 movies of Jesus with many distortions, but not one movie yet, because as Jack Nicholson said in a Few Good Men movie, you can't handle the truth. The society can't handle it. The world's not ready for Mary Baker Eddy. They can't even make a, one movie of her life because it so overthrows everything of this world, like the Course, like Jesus. And that's what you have to look at when you're tempted to look at, at Tammy Faye and go, oh, she was gullible, she was clueless, and she bit the dust, and, and so will I, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm as gullible and clueless. Then you have to look a little farther than Tammy Faye, go into the lives of the mystics and saints and see how they handled it. Like, I can't think, of course, Mary Baker Eddy and Paramahansa Yogananda came to me right away when I read your question. I was like, oh, you need a different story. We need a different story here for Joe. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about. You know, where if anybody, I mean, a lot of course teachers, they just know the course and they're kind of grappling with the, the metaphysics and their own fears and resistances, but they haven't really looked into the lives of the mystics and saints. So they don't quite have the context. For me, if I'm going in and facing a serpent, I would rather do the R&D, the research and development. I would rather look at all the mystics and saints, okay, what did you do? What did you, 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 you? And then in the end go, holy Jesus, <laughs> let's buckle down here. <laughs> We're going on for a, a deep immersion through the unconscious mind. And of course, Jesus is the master psychotherapist. So he's, of course, the best uh, to have. Even Paramahansa Yogananda was like in love with Jesus. Mary Baker Eddy was in love with Jesus. Gandhi was in love with Jesus. Khalil Gibran was in love with Jesus. You know, it goes on and on and on and on. The mystics and saints, you know, they, they love Jesus. Well, maybe it's because he represents the way, the truth, and the life, and he overcame the serpent entirely. That's the kind of teacher I want. <laughs> I 
People are saying, well, what, who were your teachers? I, I always say, Jesus. Well, who were your teachers on earth? They said, well, I, they all helped out a lot, but they all pointed in the same direction. They all pointed back to Jesus. And, and I'm not talking about the, the man who lived 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about the living presence that's with us right here, right now, smiling and loving us and comforting us and helping us all in this moment. It's a, it's a living presence. It's not a, a historical figure. But that was my uh, my feeling. And Francis and I love this stuff. Don't get us going on this. If you get us, Joe, you, you start writing questions like this and get us going. We won't have any time for interactions. <laughs> the two hours, two and a half hours ago, like this, you know, because we can't, we've got too much to share around this. We're passionate around this topic. We are. Francis, we love this. We could go on forever. Yeah, it is truly like a context and, and like zoom back to ultimately it is about freedom of the mind and, and see how much Jesus can use everything, even for, for um, what's her name, Tammy? Like, okay, she has this spark in her heart and she can sing. Look how much that is used and, and that is across the history as well. You know, since we are going to speak, why not give our words to to the spirit? Since we are going to sing, why not give our voice to? Like, what else is to give to if not Jesus? Ego is really just only to, if we give our life not to God, to Jesus, it's to the ego, basically. So it's, you know, all these symbols in our lives, all the symbols um, in, in this world, there's only two use of it, no matter the, the on the surface is there's underneath it is really only two purpose. And only the purpose make it meaningful. You look at someone's life. I don't know the meaning it makes no sense because it's so chaotic. Only the purpose make it meaningful. If the life, the symbols, everything is used by Jesus for forgiveness. That's the meaning of it. And that's really the lesson that when we look at all the historical figures and their life and and even our life and the way that we go on about this journey for for Jesus it comes down to this really simple purpose you know everything i say everything i do every relationship it is truly just what else are they used for for Jesus or for the ego. It comes down to the simplicity of that, really. Yeah. And Francis was quoting Jesus from the Course when we talked today, because Francis was saying the, the line that Jesus has in the Course is, what do you want, freedom of the body or freedom of the mind, for both you cannot have. And so what he's telling us in the Course is, you are a mind, you are holy mind, you are purely mind. You are divine mind. You're an idea in the mind of God. <laughs> That's how much mind you are. That light, that blazing light of truth is an idea, Christ, in the mind of God. That God extended a creation and he, and the name is Christ. And, and we're all that, that creation. That's us. Let's <laughs> talk about us. But that's in a divine mind when we're aware of who we really are. Or the body. And you can see with Tammy, Faye, and Jim, 
they loved God, they gave their lives over to God, they did puppets for God, they sang for God, they, they danced, they, they, uh, Jim said, I'll be a builder for God. I think he took the builder for God just a little too far, but, but still, you know, he took it a little too literal, but, but build, build an extension of the love of God was what he was, his original vibe was. And the thing about it is, I think that we have to remember that it's all about our connection with God. And in the end, of course, Tammy Faye was great. She was, she was praying. She was just praying in the end. I'll go back to Mary Baker and Eddie Parmahansa one more time, because I can't, now that I've started. When, when all the students walked out on Mary Baker Eddie, and then her husband died because he perceived that they were abandoning her and rejecting her and attacking her. That's a broken heart. I mean, that's a pretty severely broken, <laughs> broken heart when you, you know, he didn't just get sick, he, he died <laughs> uh, because of that perception. Uh, not in reality, but in, in the dream, you know, it seemed to go that way. But Mary Baker Eddy went to prayer and that's how she grew stronger than ever. She faced the greatest temptation in her life. And she went deeper into prayer because prayer is the medium of miracles. Jesus always talks about prayer. And I'm talking about the desire in the core of the mind. I'm not talking about God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. You know, that, that's not a prayer. A prayer is, is the prayer of your heart. God knows the prayer of your heart before you say a word. So she went, when this happened to her, Oh, it was huge sadness, huge grief. I mean, huge. And she had to dive down under the grief into the prayer and say, Lord, Lord, Jesus, be with me. And, and she did. And that's what Paramahansa Yogananda did. When, when Self-Realization Fellowship split up, when everybody attacked, seemed to attack, even though it was just in the, in the form, what we're telling you the ego is the only attack thought. The form is just the projection, but but Yogananda, he went into prayer. He came down to Chapala, Mexico, right where, where Francis is. He left the United States. He went to Chapala to just go sit on the, the side of the hills and to pray and, and look over Lake Chapala, which is right out the door, out the window there behind Francis. It's the same one. And then all the Mexican people loved him and they, they showered him with love. And, they, and he said, wow, this feels like India. This feels, I feel like I'm back home in India. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he grew stronger than, stronger than ever, stronger than ever in the Lord, more connected to his inner guru, more connected to spirit. You see, everything is a lesson that we would learn. We, we really don't go up and down like Tammy Faye and, and, and uh, her husband. They, you know, they, uh oh, we're in debt, we're in debt. Pledge, pledge, pledge. Woo, donations down and back up. You know, Jesus is saying, no, that's not the lesson. The lesson is come to me in your heart, abide with me, let me instruct you, let me lead the way, and let me have you realized you're the dreamer of the dream and nothing has ever harmed you. You were mistaken. You mis misperceived that you were a victim. You misperceived you were mistreated. You misperceived that people fell away. 
you know, like Mary Baker Eddy, that was what they had to face, the, the perception that, that their beloveds had, had fallen away, had rejected, had abandoned. And, and then they went to the Spirit and the Spirit said, I am here with you. I have always loved you. I have never abandoned you. I have never rejected you. That's what Jesus has to tell all of us, you know, I'm still here. I'm still here. Or as in the Elton John movie, I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Jesus is telling us now. I'm still standing. Oh, no, death had no power over me because God didn't create death. God is eternal life. I am eternal life. You know, Jesus is saying, I won't ever let you down. I'll always be there for you because I'm, I'm reality. I'm the reality of, of spirit. So thank you for your question, Joe. That helped open a whole explosion of, of, of love for us uh, this morning when Francis was saying, yeah, Joe, did you see Joe's question? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Invoke Jesus, Paramahamsa, Mary Baker Reddy. Let's, let's give Joe her answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And we did have one more question too. Uh, yeah. Dean Wilmot from France wrote, and these were like, you know, we had bunches of prayers and questions, but these were like, this was like the whipped cream and the cherry <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the hot fudge cake. So, Jean, hi, Jean. Francis, do you want to read Jean's uh, yes. question? Yes. This is from Jean. I've been thinking of going on the movie retreat that's in, in Utah in the monastery, but I had tried to plan it. Um, but as I tried to plan, it felt heavy and fears came. At the same time, I had thoughts, how do I live a devoted life without going off to a monastery or community? I should be able to live every day devoted to God, no matter what the form. But I feel a need to make a bigger commitment in form. One week retreat started to feel just too short. Today, the idea came to wait and go for a month in the summer. But it is a question of discernment. I can't tell what is coming from my planning self that wants to be practical and my fears. I feel time pressure to decide instead of patiently wait. Okay. Francis, you want to, <laughs> you had some some thoughts coming to you when you read Jean's uh, beautiful. Yeah, I, I do. And I, I just, uh, you know, remember a lot. And uh, along the path, I also talk to people a lot. And someone yesterday also, I remember asked this question about planning. But when we are to, you know, um, make any plan in form, when we give our lives uh, to Jesus, actually Jesus will guide us. Even the plan, I don't see it as in the future, but it's in the present because it's a present prompt. It's always for the present peace. So when the prompt comes and I receive it and accept it, there is upliftment, there is a peace, there is an inspiration. And what I normally know is after that, yes, what happens is in between time, in between the, the, the moment of the prompt of the guidance 
and what seems the, the actual event or the trip that happens. This is the gap where the ego wants to come the strongest. And a lot of people would say, I don't feel the inspiration anymore. But over and over again, I realized was I have to remember when I received that prompt, that is really for that moment. And that is for me to say yes. And then the ego always look into the future and say, oh my God, it's, it, this is fearful. You don't know what you get into. Let's make a much bigger plan, but it's in the future. Push it off. But I, I find it really powerful to always come back to the present when that prompt comes in, that inspiration I feel. And over the, the course of this pathway, you know, if, if we really want to follow Jesus and follow this heart, this, this spark in our heart, we have to really, um, yeah, dare to jump into that yes and follow through that yes when we originally felt it and really see all the backlash of the, the doubt and the what ifs are not really inconsistent with, um, with what we felt originally. So that's the thought that came straight away after reading your question. Yeah. And it's beautiful that you wrote that in because as I was going through the, the, the questions, a number of the questions we had came from people who, who have just been in the mystery school for some weeks now and, or, have, or have just left the mystery school. So as you're contemplating taking a step for like a, a week's immersion, kind of an in-person week's immersion, that's pretty much typical the way it works for most people over the years, I would say, is that people take a step and they kind of, just like people don't usually go off the diving board into the deep end of a pool, they will sometimes go to the kiddies pool first. And they'll sit there with the kiddies and swish their toes around and, it's a little warmer in the kiddies pool because it's, you know, it's a nice little shallow pool and the sun's heated it up. It's like a nice warm bathtub water instead of cold, ice cold, like the deep end. You don't have to go plunging feet underneath. You just swish your toes around a little bit and, and people slowly, the spirit guides gently to build our confidence and our faith and trust in the spirit uh, because that's the connection you're wanting to really build is with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so we're not given things that will throw us off, that will horrify us and shock us so much that we, we go away for weeks, months, or years. We actually need to have something that will build our confidence in, in our intuitive voice, uh, listening to the inner teacher. So I, I, do, um, I do see that. I do see that in a lot of the questions. I see David's Mickley, and I see, you know, Bhavna was just in, in mystery school, Julie Johnson's writing in a number of people. So your question is really kind of part of their questions. Uh, I want to keep the momentum going. I want to keep experiencing more and more miracles in a more of a consistent basis. And I think there's a part of your mind that knows you know, you've been over there in France and doing your, your business, your work in, you know, online and, and, and the children. And then occasionally you notice your mind drifting into mice in the house or bugs or 
things and then you feel like, oh my God, what have I done? I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about mice all day or something. You know, when I was so in the swirl of connecting and joining with the ministry and you can see how the ego will try to throw resistances and then we have little points where we can take a step and do a little bit more of an immersion, but still in a practical way, in a way that will have some resistance and some fear coming up, but it won't be overwhelming and it won't be shattering. Uh, Jesus doesn't want our pathway to involve shattering. Sometimes, I mean, certainly the movie yesterday, I think there were times when Tammy Faye and Jim just felt shattered. Uh, in fact, there was one line where Jim said, I've been had when uh, the entire ministry seemed to be completely taken, taken from under them. And as he said, I've been had, his wife, Tammy Faye was saying, how could you have trusted those people? You see both of them, that was kind of the, the, the rug got pulled out from under them completely. And, and that will happen occasionally. I'm sure Mary Baker Eddy and, uh, and Paramahansa Yogananda felt the same in those moments when their, their ministries completely uh, fell, fell apart, uh, like as they had been constructed. Those are kind of um, very, very humbling moments. But that's not generally the way that spirit works is to build your trust and confidence. And you can see that with Tammy Faye and Jim too. They had a lot of steps doing the, the ministry and the satellite and all that. That was just building faith and trust. So um, I think also, wasn't it, um, was it yesterday or Friday we spoke with, um, was it Chirgita? And, mm -hmm. and I think she had a similar expression where it was kind of about steps, taking steps and faith. And, and uh, she was the one who, whose son and whose husband um, had like been more diagnosed or leaning towards Asperger's. And, and then the, the question about steps, you know, do I keep following God? But I think that's the same, that's the same thing that every step we take is like you said, Francis, it's for increasing our strength and trust in the present moment connection with spirit. Guidance is never really for the future. Guidance is for dismantling our make-believe self-concept in the present. And that is a huge thing. I know Francis and I, you've done, a, we did a whole weekend one time on guidance. And that was our main theme in there was guidance is never for the future. But you see, when we start to associate guidance with the future, with a future outcome, that's where the fear comes in. But the, the theme of our weekend this time is I placed the future in the hands of God. So it must be that the guidance that we receive is always for us to place the future in the hands of God and to open up to Jesus and the Holy Spirit right now. Say, what do you want from me right now? <laughs> that's what we want. In fact, that's the only practical use of guidance. Guidance is never to make a better future because the future is a defense against the present moment. The future is a construct. It's hypothetical. It's a, it's a big what if, you know, it's a, it's a bunch of what ifs masquerading as a reality. 
<laughs> it's a bunch of what ifs masquerading as a reality. Why would we want guidance for, for a bunch of what ifs masquerading <laughs> as a reality? We want guidance that takes us to the present. And even when um, Bill Thedford, one of the first two Course in Miracles students in the world, when, when he would go through struggles, he was really struggling. And, and Jesus said to Helen, here, I have a gift for Bill. Tell Bill this. Give Bill this very simple four-word prayer that he can use whenever he's tempted to get into anxiety or worry about his future. And the prayer that Helen received from Jesus for Bill was, Here I am, Lord. <laughs> that's the, that's the four words that Jesus gave to Bill Thedford. Isn't that a very short, powerful, succinct prayer? Here I am, Lord. Like, here is my attention, Lord. You've got my attention right now. And I know that's the only thing you've ever wanted from me, is you want my attention right here and right now. You don't want me to build some empire for you on earth, because the earth's a projection. Why would Jesus want us to build a build something on earth when the kingdom of heaven is our home. <laughs> he's, he's not going to want us to use building blocks to build a bigger illusion or a better illusion. He's, he wants us to come home. He said, I'm calling you out of the world. Here I am, Lord, is our prayer of saying, you're the one who, who escaped the ego, so to speak, transcended the ego, I am grateful and happy about that. You are my way shower, and here I am, Lord. Tell me what I need to know right now in order to, to build my trust in you and strengthen my trust. And we don't need to get caught up into the future concerns because those are always doubt thoughts of who we really are. All future worries and concerns are doubt about our present trust and really doubt about our present identity uh, as, as the Son of God, as the Christ. You know, that's that's actually what a doubt thought is. It's a it's it's a tremendous proportion because when I'm I'm concerned about mice in my house or bugs in my living room, then I'm just simply denying that I'm the, the Son of God, <laughs> but in a very strange form. <laughs> and Jesus, you know, the angels laugh a lot. <laughs> that's all I can say. They sing a lot, but they do laugh a lot. You know, uh, like when 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 we pray, sometimes Jesus says, "It's not that you ask for too much when you pray; it's that you ask for far too little." <laughs> you could you could literally ask for everything and and be answered, but but you've been conditioned to try to have these little shrink wrapped prayers, <laughs> little teeny plastic shrimp. Here you go. Is this too much? Could I? You know, you know, we're afraid. <laughs> and Jesus is like, come on, stop with the tiny prayers. Let's get to some real big ones. <laughs> I'm ready to give you everything. So why don't you give me a big prayer instead of a tiny little shrink-wrapped one? <laughs> Thank you, Gene. Well, how do you feel, Francis? We've we crossed the hour mark. Do you feel like um, opening it up? Yeah, I think so. We already have a hand hand up, so yeah, we can just 
open it up for questions. Peter there. Hi guys, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. So I am so thrilled to be here. This is my first event with you guys. Um, I'm so grateful. Been studying the course for many years and um, David, I found your work a few months ago. And um, everything that's been said so far has been very helpful for me. Uh, I was prompted a little less than a year ago to option a, a novel and turn it into a feature film. And so I've been working on the screenplay and um, I have these doubts that have been coming up, these questions, because it's gonna be a big budget feature film. And uh, I spent many years working in Los Angeles as an attorney, entertainment attorney. And then I turned, uh, I transitioned to being a photographer. And, but now it's gonna be an uphill, I feel like it's gonna be an uphill climb for me to actually find the financing and then go into production and everything that goes along with that. And um, so I, I appreciate the doubts are about the future, but relying on that feeling I had uh, a year ago that that was the right thing to do. And I've been following through with it. Now, the thing I wanna talk about today is the perceived purpose of sickness, because one of the biggest challenges in my life has been a health problem, health condition. And uh, I'm very familiar with the course where it says, you know, sickness is anger taken out on the body. Uh, the symptoms that I have involve a lot of pain and fatigue. And, uh, you know, on some days it's difficult for me to go to the grocery store and my mind says, well, how are you going to direct a feature film that's going to take a year to make the movie, you know? And I have all these uh, questions about it. And so what I would like to do is get a little input from you guys on, I, I, I used to think the reason I was angry was because my body hurt. But now I see the reason my body hurts is because I'm angry. And I'm looking and I've worked so much around the idea of forgiveness and I'm looking at letting go of that anger, letting go of whatever that block is to forgiveness. Uh, this idea that my life has been so unfair in many ways. I have a living situation that's very challenging for me. And um, I would just like a little bit of direction, you know, how to, how to release that anger to make room for spirit. Because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of right at the edge. You know, I recognize that it's not serving me. I recognize that, um, you know, this is the ego. This is, this is kind of a last ditch effort by the ego to keep me stuck, uh, believing that I'm a body and, um, and I want the peace of God and I, and I want the healing and I want to be the light. I want to see the light, you know, and, and, and see my savior in these people that I think have been treating me so unfairly. I'll stop there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, Peter. Thank you. Welcome. I'm so, so wonderful. We all have a chance to meet you. Thank you for, for coming on here and sharing that. Yeah, I just, just a couple of days ago, I was meeting with, uh, doing a Zoom call with two friends who are, we're, we're going to do a, a Jesus movie based on like the, the presence of love that we all experience with the course. It started off with a uh, a big scale budget, um, hiring the top actors and actresses and shooting on locations and so on and so forth. And then uh, the feedback was, no, this it's not dramatic enough. Uh, you can't just show Jesus with miracles and teachings, you know, because 
what what about the crucifixion? What about the other other years of Jesus's life? Why are you showing this mystical, happy Jesus teaching with such joy and light and love? It's boring. It's dull. Nobody will buy a ticket. <laughs> you won't get your money back for for all the big budget that you put in. People won't watch it. They're too addicted to misery to see such a happy <laughs> story of Jesus. So we had a Zoom call about that, and we shrunk the budget down and, and are going to aim the movie more for A Course in Miracles audience <laughs> around the world <laughs> um, to be follow the guidance. But I want to say to you, uh, and then I'm going to let Francis answer you fully, because if you're brand new to me and our teachings, you, you should know that, that Francis, um, she has been very devoted to the course for many years and very devoted and and she met a, a filmmaker in um, Sydney, uh, Australia, where she lived. And she was told internally that she would make a, a motion picture, uh, like more of a, a full length motion picture and that the, the film crew, the people, everybody would show up when she said, how will I know? when I'm to do this, you know, and he said, well, the whole, I'll send the whole crew to you. You'll know by, by that. <laughs> when the crew shows up, that's when it happens. And then she did the whole process just out of guidance. She was not, she didn't have any filmmaking uh, experience, but she did it during one of our mystery schools. And she was guided every step of the way with purchasing cameras. And, and we had a world-class, uh, a cinematographer that's award-winning cinematographer that, that came, a translator who translated his son, translated in Portuguese. And it was a whole process that took, took a few years um, to do. And Francis can tell you that it was all about following present guidance, that, that that's where your symptoms will disappear. That's when the pain disappears when you realize that it's not so much about making a movie for the future, like in a year's time or whatever, but it's about present guidance. And when you really accept that, then Francis can tell you everything just comes in so amazingly, so miraculously. It was basically Jesus saying, I will make a movie through you. And all you have to do is listen and follow my instructions moment by moment, without thinking of it as a movie, without thinking of it in past learning. But Francis, you're perfect, the perfect one to answer Peter, because you've done it. You you took it on, and, and you even had symptoms and everything, and then you got into the present guidance, and, and you're glowing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I feel like even it's not a coincidence, Peter, you're mentioning I'm making a movie, but how do I let go of this anger and the sickness? It's, it's the problem and the solution are given at the same time. Always. It's always like that. Jesus, there is a perceived problem and the answer is given. And, you know, Jesus even describes sickness as function unfulfilled. There is a function that you're called to do. And this function may take the form of making a movie, but the form itself is not the function. The function is forgiveness. And the, the function of forgiveness is going to be fulfilled through you making this movie. And in that, you will be called to serve Jesus, to listen and follow every step of the way to unravel this, this self-concept and this pain 
that's that is inside and that is projected onto the body. But this is the whole purpose of this movie project for you. Is 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 purely that. And this this project, Jesus wants to take it, take the full control of it, to to use that to undo everything, every pain, every anger that you ever have. So so this is exactly how it's going to happen. As you have this prayer to say, how do I truly forgive? I've tried it. And how do I truly let go of all this repressed anger? Jesus said, just make this movie and give this project to me. Give this project to me. Don't think too much of how the end result, end outcome. And for me, when I was making this movie, that was the co constant contradiction. If I want the end outcome to be a certain way, or if I hear the end outcome is a crowd pleaser or it has to be to this degree, then that is a direct contradiction to the present peace and present guidance because I have to block the present guidance in order to make the process about what the future outcome should be. So it's a constant learning of letting go of the outcome in order to really dive into the present guidance and willingness to say, okay, I will fully surrender to the present guidance. I will fully surrender to follow that and let it unfold. So there's going to be a huge blessing in that if you give this project for Jesus's purpose for you and allowing this process to be a healing for you, it's going to be, it's given. I can feel it when you're talking, it's given for you for this very same same prayer, the same will that you have is his will. Yeah, I think the key word will be, the key word is collaboration. So the, the thing about it is for Francis, it was just, Jesus, I'll send the crew, I'll send the people. Are there gonna be actors? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sending everybody uh, with the editing, the distribution, you know, once you start to realize that, that basically it's all about collaboration and it's all about the joinings, just like with the, the, the series called The Chosen, started off with crowdfunding, started off as, a, as episodes, very crude little episodes on a, on a cell phone. And now after two full seasons, getting in, heading into a third season, that's a massive collaboration. That's bringing together even Catholics, Baptists, you know, Protestants, uh, Latter-day Saints, Mormons, they're all coming together with the swirl of that one because it's a giant collaboration. And the ego just doesn't know what that is. The ego thinks, what do I have to do? How am I personally going to make the movie? You see, it gets, it's pretty heavy. It's no wonder there's anger in there. <laughs> Imagine one person being responsible for making a, a major motion picture. Uh, that your unconscious is screaming, bloody hell. <laughs> That's that is a bloody big assignment to give me, you know, to make a major motion picture. But you can see Francis was really a demonstration of, of just she was told a movie would come in some years. She would told was told how she would know when it was time to make it. And, and getting back to Joe and being clueless, Francis was so clueless about this that 
when she met with a woman uh, out at the monastery, which is going to be the backdrop for it, uh, the woman was basically saying, I've, I'm, I've come here to assist the director. And uh, Francis said, oh, good, good, thank you for telling me that. Francis looked at the, the woman and looked into her eyes and said, who is the director? <laughs> this was the day before it starts. Francis says to the woman, oh, you've come here to assist the director. Who is the director? And, and, and the woman said, you are. <laughs> and that's how Francis found out that she was the director of a motion picture the day before the filming started. The director showed up as herself the day before because it was given. It was Jesus literally giving everything. And, you know, that's the joy of that. Now that's a collaboration. When you have not made a movie before and the day before the movie is supposed to start filming, you don't know who the director is. And then to be told it's you. <laughs> so right away, Francis just Googled, what does a director do? <laughs> you see, isn't this cute? You talk about Tammy Fabian is that, you know, here's, Francis being instructed by Jesus, she's going to make a movie. And the day before the filming starts, she finds out that she's the director. Now that is clueless. If anybody says, David, you keep using the word clueless, you don't give me enough examples. That's one example right there that you'll remember <laughs> Francis's face when you think about how wonderfully clueless she was and how that's how the whole thing happened because it was all internally guided it wasn't planned out it was just internally guided and even the people who come to to fulfill each and every single part of the project is picked by jesus so it's not really based on a standard um, of how it should be and i'm going to pick this one i'm going to it's all somehow come in a very obvious way that they are to fulfill this same purpose of forgiveness so we we actually use this project so fully for healing and for no private thoughts come together to really allowing the unconscious, you know, for a project like that, you can imagine how much unconscious um, darkness would rise up, actually. And so the project was used to to give permission to that and to forgive, allow that to come to the light to be expressed, then to be forgiven, and then really just to allow every day to unfold according to prayer. Listen, follow, not have any plan. Mainly a lot of the discussion was around future goal and present, present or future, because that's the most big conflict uh, in the end, I see. That's, that's constantly being met. Every expectation is about the future. So, yeah, I just, like David said, is even down to the people and the team members, Jesus, if you give it to Jesus, he will orchestrate the ones to come. And it's, it's, a huge, it's gonna be a huge collaboration, collaborative venture to assist this, this forgiveness that's gonna benefit absolutely everybody, everybody. Yeah, and just like you, Peter, you, you know, you were like an entertainment lawyer, and then you got into photography. And now here, it's a major motion picture. You know, Frances, you know, had her own company. Uh, she, she moved countries twice from, from China, Beijing, China to Australia for some years. And then 
to the United States. Now she's down in Mexico. We do have to just let the spirit unravel this tangled knot called ego self-concept. And um, one of the beautiful things was uh, of all the people that uh, were sent to help uh, Francis make the movie, one of them, uh, our dear friend Soren, who's right there in the studio right now helping us out, he, he had filmmaking experience, had made a film, and he was brought along for the same purpose that you have and the same purpose that Francis had and me as well is the undoing of the self-concept. So where Francis came in knowing nothing about making the movie, Jesus throws in Soren who, who has made a movie and, and who has a bit of the I know mind, like, listen, kids, <laughs> I, I have done this. <laughs> I'm the experienced one here. So you should just be quiet and listen to what I have to say. And, and this was not the first time that happened to Francis because there's another friend of ours down in, uh, in uh, Mexico who had directed a movie and was sure that he was to be the director <laughs> of the movie. And it took a lot of faith just to wait and wait and wait until the sign came to Francis, you are <laughs> the director. So for Soren, it was very much of an undoing of everything about filmmaking, editing, um, all the things of past learning. And that's pretty much how Jesus works based on present guidance and zero on past learning. In fact, he wants us to unlearn all of the past. He wants us to realize the past is gone and, is, and the Holy Spirit has already solved the whole thing. So that's why we do have to be clueless and very trusting with Jesus in this journey, because if we try to let our past learning direct the way, that blocks out Jesus. That's like saying, no, my ego knows enough. And let me take it here. I, I got it, Jesus. You can just, you're on the sideline up there, you know, in heaven, you know, you can give me some cheerleading, but uh, let me, I got it. I got it. And Jesus is like, no, you think you've got it based on your past learning, but actually I've got it because I'm trying to help you forgive and release the past and the future, you see? And that's why you're, it's a perfect uh, theme this week. I place the future in the hands of God. So you're giving us all a great example of something that you clearly have been guided to and you want to place it in the hands of God. And, and that will also be the end of the suffering uh, and the symptoms, which, as Francis one time said uh, from the course when we did a, a whole uh, weekend on sickness, that the body suffers in order that the mind will, will not see that it suffers. So that's a key line. The body suffers so that the mind will see that it doesn't suffer, that the projection of symptoms onto the body is the trick of the ego to make us demoralized, depressed. I'm not gonna be able to do the thing I wanna do. I'm not gonna be able to do the thing I'm guided to do. And then you start to realize, like I read earlier, it's, we, have to, we have to admit there's a misery uh, that's underneath before we can really cry out for help and say, Lord, I really need your help. There is an anger, there is a misery. I've been trying to do it all on my own. And now you're telling me, you will do it in collaboration with me. You will guide me and direct me and you will be in charge of everything. So this is, this is so precious. I'm so grateful that you came on camera and, and shared that today because 
that's this is the most wonderful opportunity for for giving that example of of how important it is to place the future in the hands of God. So thank you. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> okay, Portia. <laughs> Hi, David. Hi, Francis. Oh. That was so great, that last question and answer. That was so, so faith-promoting. So as, as you know, um, I come to the table from the past of being a spiritual self-concept. Like, I can't remember a time that I wasn't trying to please God, like from way back. And I would sacrifice and suffer as a means of getting God's approval so that I would be blessed. Like that was the recipe. That was the vending machine, God, that I, that I had a pretty fun life for a long time. Um, you know, until the dissolution hit that I had been following that algorithm and truly, I had had many moments of divine light. There, there's no question. It was a lot like Tammy Faye. Uh, not necessarily exactly that, but, it, but it's, I related to that endeavor that, yeah, there is that God. And he will bless me when I give my, my wants and desires up so that I will take on doing what he wants instead so that I can prove worthiness. So coming to the present today, in the last month, maybe a month and a half, twice, I've signed up for retreats and backed out. And the second time it happened, it was with, um, well, I don't need to give the names and stuff, but it wasn't you guys. And each, the second time, after I, I had this introductory phone call, I was just given to, and it wasn't guided. Here's the caveat. I recognized I wanted to have a fuller rapturous thing. And in the hopes of preparing myself to be better, like to be better and to be able to fortify myself against difficulties that might arise with my husband's increasing sickness that I might be alone, you know, like this whole, the old thought system I kind of saw was happening again, but I, I believed it. So I sign up and then at the first sight of, oh, the body might really not enjoy this. I think I'll not do it. And the second time it happened, it, I remembered the second time I gave birth, the second childbirth, right when I got into labor, I had totally forgotten how much it hurt. And I, I went insane. I said, no, I've, I've changed my mind. I can't, I don't want to do this as if I could stop childbirth, you know, like, no, it hurts too much. And that remembrance came to me and I, I called right back and said, no, I'm, I'm not going to be in Mosquitoville in August. Like that was so clear. You forgot what it's like. So here's the resulting question with that history the, how do you call it, the, the good girl, spiritual, religious girl, self-concept 
I would like to drop. But what I don't know how to do is drop this question. How do I define suffering and sickness, or excuse me, suffering and sacrifice without having a past reference? Right, like in the course, the lessons, like I just, I was at three in the morning, I heard lesson 248. So I look it up and it's about suffering is not of me. But, and then it says sacrifice. Last week I was given to read about sacrifice not being part of the picture. How do you define sacrifice and suffering without having a definition from your past? That's, that's my question. Kristen, okay. Thank you, that's very good. Because actually I, I had read some, some quotes um, yesterday, which basically was from the course that says, when you feel guilty, remember that the ego has indeed violated the laws of God, but you have not. Leave the sins of the ego to me. That is what atonement is for. Uh, Son of God, you have not sinned, but you have been mistaken. Yet this can be corrected and God will help you knowing that you could not sin against him. So when you ask the question, how do I define suffering and sacrifice without invoking the past? It's like you don't. Jesus doesn't want you to, to define suffering and sacrifice. He's like, why would you try to define something that you will never, ever, ever be able to understand? You will never understand suffering. You will never understand sacrifice because God didn't create them. And, and you will be able to understand, you know how the, the, the Course says peace and understanding go together and cannot be found apart. Uh, think not that you understand what anything is for until you pass the test of perfect peace. Oh, that's why the workbook lessons say, my mind holds only what I think with God. This, he's about saying, the old way was, try to define it to understand it. And that's the theologian in you. <laughs> you've, got a, you've got an inner theologian who's had actually decades of work. You've had a lot of scripture, you went on missions, you know, you've, you've, you've done a lot in that context. And Jesus is like, come out of the water. <laughs> You've been swimming in a in a mixed pond, and I want to call you. Come off to the shore with me, and let's let's have a good gaze at the water. Uh, but the theology is is part of the the water, the mixed water of the world. Uh, Jesus even talks about. He even mentions theologians in his his. Um, course, sometimes he'll say the religiously oriented, you know, believe that the soul pre-existed and may exist after uh, the, the incarnation or the, the time here. He's just dispelling everything. He, he will, if you stay with him, he will, he will dispel theology. Even if you've been immersed in it for decades, he will wash you clean of it. He'll give you a power rinse. <laughs> He'll, he'll wash away the inner theologian, and all that remains is the, the light of Christ, is your deep love of Jesus and your deep connection with, with the Christ. And he can, he can power wash the scientific mind, he power washes the, the philosophical mind, 
And then just when you start to have a special attachment to his course, thinking, oh, I am holier than thou. I have a course in miracles. He'll throw in lesson 189 and say, forget this world, forget this course, and come with open hands unto your God. You see how loving Jesus is at doing the power rinse of the ego. So, you know, you don't have to define what sacrifice is or uh, what suffering is, because the theologian in you says you have to define it in order to teach it and speak it. And Jesus says, I don't want you to teach sacrifice. <laughs> I don't want you to teach suffering. Teach only love, for that is what you are. I want you to be a pure teacher of, of the love and of the light. And I want you to, above all, demonstrate that you're invulnerable, that sacrifice is impossible, and that suffering is impossible. That's the, the greatest thing you can do is to align with that, because that's aligning with the, the Christ self that is created by God, that's, that's invulnerable to error. That's what Jesus is taking you. He's lifting your mind up, saying, come, come to me, come to the light. I will lift you above error. You have not sinned. You were mistaken, but that was the ego. And we're going bye-bye to the ego. The ego seemed to sin. The ego seemed to be mistaken. The ego tried to present a whole world in opposition to love and light. But, but we're just forgiving that. We're not trying to understand the error. We're actually trying to overlook the error with, with the presence of, of the Holy Spirit. So thank you. That's You just, just saved people thousands of years of being stuck in the quicksand of theology. I mean, if I tried to fit into the Christian church, you can only imagine, you know, I, 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 I go where I'm invited. So I've been invited to, to uh, synagogue, churches, a lot of unity churches, religi religious science, but I'm not trying to, you know, get in to see the Pope and the Vatican. I, actually, I like Francis, uh, Pope Francis. Uh, I think we'd have a really good time together, but I'm not like waiting for an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to sneak a course book inside the Vatican Library. You know, it's in our mind, and and that's that's where you're coming. You're zooming into that. You're you're following your guidance. You you know what what is helpful for you and what's not. You're getting stronger and stronger in that. Thank you, thank you, Portia. <laughs> Geraldine. Hi, David. Hi, Francis. Hi, everybody. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, my questions have kind of been answered a little bit by the, the last two um, speakers. Um, I had, uh, I definitely feel like I've been through a, a time of uh, a dark time. Um, and I have struggled hearing guidance or feeling that I'm connected to it or receiving it. Um, I clearly, it's clearly blocked in some way. Um, and I would like to, I suppose, get some tips from you about how I can maybe unblock that. Um, I also was kind of wondering around how can I ask, like what's the right way of praying? Cause I have sat in silence. I have, you know, really try to open myself up to 
um, to it. Um, and then I'm thinking, am I, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I praying? Am I coming from needy place? Am I, am I believing in lack because I'm asking for things? Um, and be, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's an important time for me, I feel, because I am, um, I really want to kind of move into a different career. I'm, I'm, I'm studying and counseling psychotherapy. And yet I find as part of that study, I'm being dragged back into the past. and I'm thinking about my mother <laughs> and all those things that I've tried to move, move away from. Um, and, and I suppose approach with true forgiveness and know that actually I am the spirit. I, you know, I, I was never wounded. Um, I am, you know, I am as God created me, but I find that in studying these things and in, in learning these things, you're asked to investigate the past and you're asked to bring out all of those, you know, that stuff. And then I start questioning, am I on the right path? Cause I really want, we spoke about it earlier. I really want my skills to be used in the right way. Um, and even, I know that the course has a whole section of psychotherapy and that was kind of really encouraging to me, but I, I'm just don't know how I'm going to marry the course with the pain and the suffering and the shame and all those things that we discuss in class. So that was kind of my question. Ah, beautiful, beautiful, Geraldine. Well, it's like, um, it's beautiful that you have a, like a calling now into this, like, new career, new vocation. I celebrate that with you. Uh, I, I myself went from urban planning and eventually to psychology and counseling. So I can certainly relate to uh, the calling that you have. I think for me too, I, I, wanted, I wanted to bring psychotherapy and counseling, but I also wanted to be tied into my spiritual growth and opening. I wanted to marry them. I wanted to have a vocation that was truly healing for myself and for everyone. And so when I looked at psychotherapy, you know, Freud and B.F. Skinner, and then more humanistic uh, views of Maslow and Rogers and so forth, and then, and then transpersonal uh, therapy, uh, Frances Vaughn, who has passed away, but, but her husband is still alive and is a beautiful course author, uh, Roger Walsh, uh, living in uh, Northern California. Uh, teaching, guiding, leading uh, as he's gotten up in years, but uh, very much into transpersonal psychology his whole life and, and using the course in that way. And many, uh, Bill Thetford, obviously, Helen Shuckman, the, the scribe and the, the collaborator, psych psychologist. Um, you can see that um, all the way through Jerry Jampolsky, psychiatry, you know, Jerry passed away recently. So I think as you go deeper, that's really the prayer of your heart is like, you have something that's drawing you and attracting you and you have a, a capacity for it. And you're just really praying to Jesus to show you the way um, to, that's your inner instructor. It's when you do go to trainings and education and everything, that, those are backdrops to let things come up, not necessarily to go digging for them, but you're finding this thing with your mother, it just naturally comes up from the unconscious. The reason it's coming up now is because you're giving it permission to come up. 
Uh, I talked earlier about denial and denial and repression are a way of staying uh, split and allowing it up is a way of integrating the mind and coming to wholeness and completion with the spirit. So it's just coming up as you follow your heart, as you follow your joy, as you, like Tammy Faye uh, and Jim started, they were following their joy in the movie yesterday, and then the unconscious stuff came up, and it was, uh, it was, it was tempting for them to feel guilty around it, just like we have with different scenes in our life, different memories. We want to redo. <laughs> we wish we could redo things, but we really want a reinterpretation. Uh, we want to see it from a higher perspective where we see everybody played their part perfectly and nobody was to blame and everybody is innocent. So I think it's beautiful that, that you're doing that. And maybe Francis, you can share too, because Francis, you've spent your life just tuning into the guidance. But I think part of it was when you were opening up to your brothers and sisters, Francis, you literally everyone that came to you, it felt like a shared collaborative awakening, like you were paying attention to everybody that was speaking to you and, and staying open-minded, even when you would talk to your mother. And one time you had a phone conversation with your mother and your mother was like, you know, you've left your career, you left your husband, you know, you've left your houses. Uh, she was worried about her daughter, Frances, and uh, she says, what exactly are you doing? And Frances said, I'm a minister. And her mother from Beijing, China, burst into laughing. <laughs> Just absolutely. They both burst into laughing because it was the most far out. <laughs> it was out of the realm that mom could comprehend even. And then as, as the years passed, she's her mom's been asking her a lot of questions. She's quite interested in the, what the minister has to say now. But at first it was met with a huge burst of laughter, you know, because it was out. But Francis, you can just share a bit how the guidance has come for you, because I know you didn't really feel a sacrificial sense with the guidance. It just kind of, you were just so open to be shown that what came, you know, seemed like, oh yeah, that's that's definitely it. Um, I definitely need to do this. I didn't need to take this step. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's always feel like, especially at the beginning, it was such a huge contrast where um, there's, a, there's a spark in certain part of my mind or my, my world that I want to pursue. Then there's, it seems like a, you know, a swamp of problems that I don't know how to solve. But what I find out was just to really focus on the spark and trusting that by just following Jesus and by following this, this spark of happiness, all the problems, misperceptions got handled through that. You know, like the, the traditional way of handling problem is to really analyze each one and trying to find solution in that, this realm. But it's such a different way to focus on what is calling my heart focus on what where is drawing me to to go and Jesus does um, guide us through attraction so knowing that he doesn't guide us through sacrifice he doesn't guide us through we come up with the worst case scenario and jump, push ourselves to that it's just that's the ego you know Jesus is like no 
where I'm guiding you is where your heart is. So every single time you listen to me, you feel happy. And that's totally true. So I started to really feel, oh my God, this is, my heart is opening. So I'm gonna go and trust him just by going, just by saying yes, the lesson will be learned through that. And, and then when it comes down to specific listen and follow and prayer, I think I, I find out that I hear the guidance the clearest when I am most clear about the goal. So sometimes, you know, at the beginning, I always say, is this, is this, this which way do we go? Come on, come on, I don't hear anything. But I never really ask, what, what am I asking about these um, options for? But over the time, I, I find out that what has changed in my own mind is I, I know I want peace. So I always say, okay, I'm, I'm wanting peace now. Peace is my goal. What would you ask me? What would you guide me to do? And the, when the peace is chosen, the steps is very, very clear. No, not wishy-washy, not, um, yeah, there is no doubt in my mind. I can hear very, very clearly. So that's like going through different phases for me to really find out, oh, wow, always truth peace first then the steps follows decision is made for peace and for god first then the steps follow because the steps are helping me to achieve peace if the goal is is not um clear then the steps is like because jesus said i have heard your call and i have answered but you have not heard me because you don't want only this and but but as you as you look within and as you follow me, you will know that you do want only this. So what he is saying is, if you just follow me whenever you can, you will start to feel this confidence inside that this is truly all that I want. And as I become more and more certain in my heart, peace is what I want. This is all I want. Then I do hear only only him. So this is like um, his way of saying purifying our desire, you know, purify our desire and guidance is is a way to to achieve that. Yeah. yeah. And, and the part about asking too is, is in the, you mentioned the psychotherapy pamphlet that Jesus gave, which is so helpful. The Song of Prayer is another little pamphlet that he gave that's part of the course teachings now. And basically Jesus was saying that when you believe in the ego, you, you believe in lack because that's the ego is lack by definition. And because you believe in the ego, your prayers are also determined by asking for things. And he describes a prayer as like a ladder. He says that the early stages of prayer whether you're sitting in silence or you're asking, how do I pray? Which you did ask, um, how do I pray? Jesus tells us in the Song of Prayer teachings that he says, you can't help but ask for things. Uh, so don't, don't try to just say, oh, I feel bad, Jesus. I shouldn't be even asking for things. 
Yeah, it's like saying I shouldn't have an ego. <laughs> That's like saying I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to ask. <laughs> I I should be more like the like the Buddhist or the Eastern ones. Just sit in my lotus position and sit in stillness. And then if there's if there's anything to be told to me, tell me. But I shouldn't have to ask for it. Jesus is saying, no, no. You when you believe in the ego, you believe in lack, and and you will ask. And you will ask for things and specifics initially, and that's perfectly fine, Jesus is saying. You know, he's very practical. He knows he's going to reach us right where we are. So he knows, yeah, those are the questions we have. We're going to have some real specific questions for Jesus. And he's like, very good. Even with Helen Shuckman, the scribe of the course, you know, she's working a job as a research assistant, working for for Bill and Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center as a research psychologist. She's got a husband, Louis, who she wants people to call Jonathan instead because she doesn't want his sins to keep him out of heaven. Some pretty quirky things going on there. But anyway, she likes a certain kind of coat and she wants to wear a, a certain kind of coat in New York City in the winter. And she only wants to pay, she doesn't want to pay top dollar for it and everything. So is Jesus practical? He tells her, okay, I'll get you the coat you want. What do you want? Borgana coat? Okay. How much do you want to pay? This He takes her right to the place where she can buy her used Borgana winter coat so she can get back to doing the scribing for him. That's how much he loves us. And that's how practical Jesus is. And that's how he will use, he will reach us wherever we believe we are. He will, he just will will reach us. Look at Tammy Faye, you know, he reached her in, in the movie in so many ways, whatever she felt would be wonderful and helpful, it came to her very quickly. And uh, so I would say that don't, don't try to shut the process off at all by, by thinking I shouldn't ask. No, you can follow your heart, follow your spark, like uh, Francis was saying, follow your joy. And then when you have things that seem to be needs, or things that you feel would be very helpful to you, then ask about them. And just be open to receiving a specific answer about your specific prayer. Maybe it's a, a bumper sticker, or maybe it's a, a song on the radio that gives you the answer, or maybe it's a friend that calls and, and shares something with you and you go, aha, oh, I just prayed for that. But stay as open-minded as you can and and realize you're not doing anything wrong at all. Uh, even when you sit in stillness, you're just doing it to your capacity. Uh, there's nobody judging your meditations. There's nobody judging your prayers uh, to be able to relax and, and stay open to that. Then, then you ask what's really on your heart and then you stay open to, to receive the answer. So you're, you're doing great. You know, what a fun time new career uh and and now you're just here gaining some tips and some insights on on just how to enjoy it and relax yeah thank you thank you Jody. okay chiquita is back <laughs> and i saw your little boy there <laughs> yeah he's with me hi Hi. He's actually now with my husband, but he loves to come in and see. He's actually so it's so interesting. He doesn't know English, but he loves listening to you. He definitely feels the energy. He's very um 
highly sensitive and doesn't like too many people, but he was just standing and watching you. That's, I could feel he was enjoying this. And thank you so much for the guidance on, on Friday that uh, the light that you shared is just, it will stay in my heart forever, really, because despite of the seemingly impossible situation, I can really feel so much more peaceful about just being in the moment and trusting. It was such a huge confirmation for me. I'm so, so grateful. It's amazing. Um, for today, I actually had um, um, a question you mentioned, as you mentioned yesterday about that God did not create form. Um, and I've read that in the course as well, but uh, it just reminded me of the question I had for a long time now. Um, and this is definitely one of my, the greatest ego traps or the blind spots. I'm sure I have many more, but um, it's about nature. I love nature and I'm so, um, when my life is so intense, I often feel um, nature is the only place where I feel heard, understood and loved without saying anything. It's just this wonderful energy. And it's, it's, so, it's a bit hard. I, I know I shouldn't be struggling with that. Probably everything is coming at the, at the perfect time, but I'm just trying to understand how this innocent, perfect wildflower can be an attack on God, as the Course is saying, you know, that all the form is um, attack on God. And I know it's sometimes, um, I question this a lot, and maybe you can help me to see this, you know, through your eyes and understand this better, because I'm truly grateful for nature. Is it just that the Holy Spirit is using nature right now in my life as a symbol um, on my journey until I come into full awakening. So right now it's just this happy place where. <laughs> yeah. That's my question. Yeah, Jagita, beautiful. That's a wonderful question. Because um, yeah, I I really had have a, had a very strong fondness for nature. Um, after 10 years of university, I was guided to go live in the wilderness, um, in the trees and the beautiful nature of, of Kentucky, uh, the state right below where I, I was living. And I lived out in nature and I always was drawn more to nature mystics like uh, St. Francis, uh, who had many, most of his mystical experiences in nature. Uh, just looking at plants and suddenly starting to see light around them and then merging into uh, a full-blown mystical experience. So you're right that the, the spirit will use what the ego made. The ego made the form and then the spirit uses the form to bring you back to the light. And the part that you're mentioning about um, about the form, you know, specific form, a wildflower being an attack on God, that, that is a very common question. I got, I started to go into that a little bit earlier in this show, the session today, when I was talking about to you, a, a, a speck of a piece of glass, a speck of dust, a, a body and a war are all the same. And, and they're all the same in the sense that they, they come from a wish to be separate from God. In other words, once we, we think of a wildflower, we think 
It's so beautiful. It it it's harm. It's soothing my soul. It's it brings my mind into harmony. Um, our friend Lisa, who's on with us today too, you know, she's like a she's a flower mystic. <laughs> we call Lisa the flower mystic because she adores the flowers, and she that's a big part of her pathway to God. She's in our community, and she's the flower mystic, but. The reason that those separate things I mentioned earlier, a speck of dust, a, a, a body, uh, a speck, a piece of glass or a war is because they're all part of fragmented perception. So the symbols need to be used by the spirit to bring us back to a holistic way of looking at the world beyond the pieces. You know, even in this world, we say the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And we something resonates in us. Oh, I like that. I like to feel the energy, the vibration of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And, and Jesus is basically saying that, that our one problem is believing in the ego and believing in fragmented perceptions. So um, I think if you had to have a workbook lesson from the course that could help you the best to move into a deeper understanding, I think probably, uh, I believe it's the name of, of God is my inheritance. I think it might be lesson 184. That's probably, that's probably one of the best lessons where Jesus says, you know, you, you live by specifics. You have given a separate name to everything that you perceive. And we'll use the example of a wildflower, you know, so we'll say there's billions, trillions of names floating in our mind. And each object that's perceived in fragmented perception has been given a name. Even the stars are named, the planets are named, the, the galaxies are named. You give a name to electrons, protons, neutrons. You know, you give any a name to everything. Your son, your husband, yourself. You see, you live by names. And in that lesson, he's saying each name is given to a separate aspect of what you perceive as reality. So you give it a reality by naming it. And there is one name that you can put as a safe substitute for all the little names. And that name is God. So even God's just a word. But you see how Jesus is training our mind to a new way of perceiving the world. And he's basically, if you go back to like lesson 136, he will, he will describe the process about where you, you separate something off by, by time and space. Out of all the whole cosmos, let's say you take that wildflower and you, you separate it from the rest of the cosmos and you call it a name and you have an image in your mind of how a wildflower looks and how, how it may smell or how it may blow in the wind. You may have memories of that wildflower, but all that is part of a distortion that it will call fragmented perception. So what he wants us to do is say, great, rejoice in the wildflower. And now with my help, Jesus says, I'll help tell you how to include the rest of the whole cosmos in. And just like, you know, Jesus is not calling you to 
leave your husband or leave your children or leave your country. He's just basically saying, work with me and I'll help you include the rest of the world in so you love them all, like you love your husband, like you love your child. I want to teach you how to love unconditionally. And as you appreciate the wildflower, I want you to appreciate everything else in a holistic view that, that doesn't fragment, you know, that it's a different way of looking at the world. It's still an illusion. Even the happy dream or the unified perception or the quantum field, I call it in science, is still an illusion. It's still, it's still a, a, a little bit of a misuse of, of energy because there still seems to be a form to it. But the more you go to the essence of the energy beneath the form, the frequency, the vibration, then you come toward the light. You see, you're coming, you're coming, the more the vibrations which, which come towards light, it's very fast vibration, so to speak, that's reality. And what seems to be the slow, dense op objects and images, they're just vibrating at very slow, slow rates. And they don't really have anything to do with reality. But when you give them to the Holy Spirit, you can enjoy it. And I certainly have, have enjoyed nature in my journey of these last 36 years. I, I have really enjoyed nature. I think I enjoyed it so much that then Jesus started taking me into cities you know, into Paris and London and New York and Los Angeles. And when Francis and I first went to Beijing, they picked us up at the airport and we were in a like a car driving in Beijing. And the, the our, these Chinese friends that had picked us up, they turned to me and they started apologizing right away. And I, I was like looking at them and they, they were saying, we're so sorry for the sky. I said, you're sorry for the sky. Talk about taking responsibility. We're sorry for the pollution. We're sorry for the gray sky. You come all the way to China and you have to look at the gray sky. And I was more like, oh, I love, I love the gray sky. I love, I love it all because I could see it all emanates from with, within me. It's all, it's all, it's all part of me. Uh, I, I, I would. I, I, people say, "What the pollution? The gray sky?" Yes, I, I, I blow kisses to gray skies. You know, when when people feel guilty and and they feel they got to apologize for it, I'm like, no, no. I I think it's beautiful because it's it's truly in the eye of the beholder. So I think you're on the right track. Enjoy nature. Enjoy it. And hi there, your sweet little one. <laughs> The picture's worth a thousand words. We don't even have to speak the same language. I've got a German last name, but you know, this is the, we're just enjoying the, the moment. <laughs> Thank you. Sweet, sweet. Esther. <laughs> Thanks, David. You touched on a lot of uh, content that, that would answer the question, but I still feel guided to ask the question. Um, I'll start off first with the, um, I'm being trained through the course and Alan's help to choose a purpose over the images 
and identifying with the confusion that arises from um, not holding a unified purpose. And um, what seems to be a thorn is the belief that something will happen to Alan, who's helping me so much with the metaphysics and having a genuine experience of laughter um, through the confusion uh, that he will, his body will disappear um, or anybody in my family will disappear before I'm ready. Um, so when I'm with him, my focus is that thought to appreciate it as much as possible. And that's the focus and that seems to be not the um, unified purpose that is helpful. Yeah, yeah, um, thank you. And, and I just wanted to say that, that um, well, that, I guess that's enough, yeah. Thank you. Mm, thank you, Esther, yeah. I know I've said sometimes that that Jesus says in the course 